This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 161 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, Lizzie Meyer joins us in Roundtable for her adventures in puppy training. In the Critter Corner, we focus on preparing chicken coops for the backyard chickens. Critter Nutrition is all about a cool-down formula for dogs. And in Coffee Clutch, we ask, what's the best advice you've gotten from an equine trainer or instructor? Listen in. Tigger. And I'm Patty. And our producer is mute, but um, (laughs) she's normally around on every episode, but this episode she's chosen to be mute because she's fighting a cold. So uh, I guess that you and I are the ringleaders today. (laughs) Which is scary, but let's just know that what, what do we like to make Jen do? We like to make her laugh. We do. But she has asked us to talk about what makes us laugh. Which is making Jen laugh. <laughs> <laughs> what's your, so what's your favorite thing, Tigger? What's your favorite thing that makes you laugh? Uh, well, I have to say, Patty, you always make me laugh. <laughs> but first thing I was thinking of, Tigger makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the second are my dogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a day goes goes by that I don't laugh at something that they do or look or, um, yeah, those are, they're a great form of laughter entertainment. I, yeah, I, I, well, I would, I mean, I think all of my animals, um, you know, I, I mean, my dogs, of course, I just got a video today of the dogs and I'm sure that made you laugh and, you know, it's just. Uh, but I find I find that videos of animals. I literally saw a video last night of <laughs> the silliest thing of somebody who put pants on a chicken, and it just said <laughs> they wanted to see what a chicken looks like in pants. And I watched it four times. I sent it to everybody I knew. Keep laughing at it. So I'm the, my number one is animal humor and <laughs> my animals. It's just funny. It just cracks. It just cracks me up. Yeah, it does. And I and I it, get. I get a lot of laughter out of animation. Oh, okay. Like animation, what do you, you animate your animated animals or do you No, 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 no. Like, you know, watching animation. That's funny. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Uh, do you ever watch Simon's cat? No. Well, it, it's a guy who draws his cat and then he has cat friends and, and the human <laughs> is always a sort of adult who owns the cat and the cat always outsmarts him. And he, so he makes these short little YouTube videos. And it's all hand-drawn. And Oh, I'm going to Oh, it's now. so great. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch this for sure. Yeah, I even have a Simon's yeah. Cat calendar. <laughs> because it's just... This doesn't it, surprise me? No. No. Okay. No. Yeah, no. But okay. we, have, we have some more laughter coming up. This is going to be a really funny show. 
I, I think it is. I can't wait to hear about our friend's adventure. Lizzie's adventures with a puppy. Every day when she catches me up on the further adventures, I literally hurt from laughing. That's okay. I can't, I can't wait to laugh. So here we go. And we're here at Roundtable, and uh, our good friend Lizzie Meyer is here. And, and one of the reasons I invited her is because Lizzie has a new puppy. And she has been um, filling me in every day on everything puppy. I've laughed so hard that I really thought I was going to wet my pants. And the little background on this is that this is Lizzie's first non-rescue puppy. So this is the first puppy that um, is actually not traumatized or have a broken leg or anything. And she spent three days um, with the breeder learning about the breed and um, structure and and temperament and drive and and I I really respect that because I think where a lot of people can run into trouble when they decide they want to get a dog from a breeder is they don't have the time or don't spend the time to really get to know the breed before they bring it into their house. So um, Lizzie was forewarned (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, her animals are, which are horses and a goat and chickens and cats and dogs, are doing a very good job of helping her raise the puppy. I might, I might add. So <laughs> it's it it takes a village would be the the the, the topic for uh, roundtable. So welcome, Lizzie, and um, <laughs> and all the adventures of puppydom. Oh, thanks, Tigger. This has been a most memorable uh, week. (laughs) (laughs) I have a very important question. It's very, very important. What is the puppy's name? The puppy's gone through several iterations of names. Um, His name is Bravo. Oh, I'd love that. Currently, I I, I think it's going to stick, though. Okay. That's a great name. Yeah. It's a great name. Yeah, thanks. We we were calling him we as in the cats and myself. We were calling him Texas Pete. But okay, he's really a Bravo. So, oh, I love that. Oh, everything okay, he so- does earns Bravo just in different <laughs> tones of voice. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, uh for our listeners, this is an Australian shepherd. And he is 10 weeks old now? Yes. So, Lizzie, um, tell us what you've learned from your 10-week-old Australian Shepherd already. I feel like I'm being trained to to (laughs) kind of be a better human right now. Um, Oh. He's really an incredible teacher because... I have learned, I think it's hard to sum this up, but, you know, when he's just going through his puppy, you know, chewing on everything, you know, he's, he's a part-time carpenter, he 
like gardening. Um, he loves digging holes. I mean, he loves doing all the things that would I think make a lot of people upset and make a lot of trainers frown. But I, I just try to stay present with him and, and find the moment he's doing something right. And I make such a big deal out of that, even if it's a nanosecond Mm -hmm. between all the things that he's doing that are not in the correct category. And then I find that if I can just be patient and never, ever react to him, which he taught me in the first maybe two hours of life with Bravo, um, (laughs) it goes better. I mean, it's, it's like this constant presence process and mm. just um realizing that he's just ex- he's you know can he could train he can train them for forever and i know he's in this incredible impressionable period but you can also have fun with them and just mm-hmm. i i just love finding just looking for opportunities to tell him how amazing he is i don't oh. want to ever focus on what he's doing wrong and I, I really, I have a lot of respect for him because he's, he's, you know, he's been, he's, he's done a lot in the last, you know, since he was weaned to where he is now. And, um, I've, he's being as patient with me as I am with him. I mean, I've never had a, just a puppy who's basically a clean slate who, you know, a nicely bred dog and although I've loved all of my rescue dogs completely this is just a whole new experience um for me so I'm I'm just enjoying every minute of it including the parts where he's you know biting my leg and um you know, <laughs> all the story the of cat. The- of your hair. Oh my God. Oh, that was a mistake. See, this is a learning process. So, um, I was just kind of hanging out on the floor with him and I thought he was just being cute. So I thought I'd kind of lay down with him and grabbed onto my hair. And we're not talking a couple strands. We're talking like an entire puppy mouthful. Oh, and he, I mean, in, in herding dog language, it would be called grip. Grippiness <laughs> is a descriptor. In the, according to oh. the books I've been reading, this dog has a lot of grip currently. So he held on with all of his might to my mane and w- would oh, not let go. So I had to just pick him up. With him still latched onto my head, the top of my head, and then convince him to let go. And he did without pulling any hair out. So I really appreciated that and decided not to put myself in that position again. (laughs) It's probably wise. Yeah, learning a lot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my yeah, God, we're, so we're both learning a lot right now. So, Lizzie, the yeah. story of the cat uh, <laughs> reminding him about stuff in the crate at, oh. you know, 
<laughs> where Butterbean, the black cat, yes. walked into the crate. And no, no, no. Down. On top of the crate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Butterbean and Pie are two black kittens that I raised. And they're about a year old and they're this little guy's best friends. You know, according according to Bravo, they're his best friends. So every night, you know, they they sleep on top of Bravo's crate, which is like right against my bed. And one of them was getting a little annoyed and um, Butterbean was on top of the crate and peered over the edge and stuck his paw in the crate and calmed Bravo down. It was the sweetest thing. No claws, just very calmly just reached. I mean, he reached in there to his elbow. It was quite amazing. And uh, just started purring as loud as he could. I love so that. These cats, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, they're like nannies. They're they're just um, they're just invaluable right now. They're sanity saving for me. I mean, it takes a lot, but this is um, pretty pretty generous on the cat level. So huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and Bravo likes likes to get into the shower with you. Bravo did that the first night. (laughs) He um, got in the shower actually by himself while it was warming up, (laughs) and um, I was very surprised he stayed in there on his own. (laughs) No encouragement, just stood there. Um, So that was. Very surprising. Um, and every shower since, he's he's been a supervisor. Um, he basically sits on the bath mat with his whole head um, through the curtain, just waiting. Sometimes he will come in. It's pretty... Um, he's very attuned to what's going on at all times. He's a... Definitely got the supervisor thing going <laughs> of, about, of all being here. How, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> how about with the goat? Oh, let's not go there. Uh, that goat. So we've but got a single. Go oh, gosh, that goat might be finding a new home. But Millie goat is a. a beautiful boar goat that I raised in my bathtub from the time she was an orphan from the neighbor's house. And uh, Millie goat basically is like a dog. So she, um, she kind of, you know, kind of teases the dogs through the, the fence. Sometimes it's a little bit of a game because they all kind of grew up together. This little guy um, saw the goat kind of, headbutting the fence and you know just acting up and he I was holding him and he came absolutely unhinged and he was barking as loud as he could and and he was trying to get out of my arms and Millie just kept just hammering the fence with her horns and I'm you know just going it's okay bravo it's okay bravo heading towards the door and um bravo just was he couldn't stop 
watching her. He couldn't turn the gaze mm-hmm. off. And um, at that moment, I I did have a moment of what have I gotten myself into. But <laughs> at the same time, he knew that what Millie was doing was annoying, not acceptable, and definitely out of bounds. So he was telling her oh, wow. all about it. Yeah. And completely unsuccessfully, though. So, <laughs> he's, uh, but he has been, oh my gosh, every time he sees her now, whether she's doing something annoying or not, um, I mean, most of the time she's pretty good. He just locks his eyes on her like he just can't wait to herd this goat one day. Um, I don't know if he understands that she's pretty dog savvy. So, um, could be a challenge down the road. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. funny. What, what mm-hmm. are, are for you some of the funny moments? Like, um, like the X pen. Oh, geez. This X pen was supposed to be this fabulous idea. <laughs> Let me tell you, it has been, uh, a mixed, it, it's been a, cage of mixed emotions for me because he does not like containment at all. And uh, so it's taken a lot of getting used to little amounts of time in the X pen and in the crate and feeding him in these places, et cetera. But he really likes to be near me. So we basically drag the X pen (laughs) all over the house, depending on where I am for the most amount of time. And he thinks it's kind of fun because he's, he comes in, he goes out, he's in a new place and you know, it's a changing environment. And, but yet he is learning that this is the sex 10 thing is not a big deal. And, um, that, that good things happen Mm -hmm. in there, but I'm just getting used to it being next to me kind of at all times. Um, so we're working on kind of gradual, uh, distancing and building some confidence Mm -hmm. in these enclosures. So that's been an adventure in itself. It sounds really easy, but it's, um, it's good work. I will tell you. Um, and, and how's the clicker training going? Oh my gosh. Clicker training is a lifesaver. Um, I think. I, I, Tigger, I think you, you encouraged some clicker training and as did a couple of my other dog friends, one, one of which is a, um, a trainer and, um, the clicker training has been the key to really getting his brain going so that he's tired. Mm -hmm. And I am amazed because he can sit, he's learning how to wait um, just standing, just wait. He's got place down and we're moving to different rooms where to do place. And, uh, oh, well, he's, he, yeah, he's, he's amazingly smart and, and he yeah. just, he starts offering to sit and he's offering to wait or you just find little opportunities where he's just being a great puppy and and just finds okay he's laying down but he's being quiet like click and treat good good down oh, well. good quiet whatever it is 
And um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of refinement. I'm at a very basic level of this, but he's, he is picking it right up and he has figured out how to get the human to click that thing to get to that jar <laughs> in that kitchen. And he comes, he comes to me and he looks at me like I'm ready to learn something and he doesn't care that I'm doing something else. It's, he's, so we're really working on weight and we're working on something called impulse control, which is a <laughs> phenomenon for this dog. Uh, but we're, we're just, you know, I've had to learn, like there's different clicker styles, believe it or not. I had just sort of a generic clicker with a cord. I was told by someone, someone on this call that I'd be wearing a clicker around, like just wearing it with me. And I thought this is out of her mind. And it's true. You want to buy a pack of mini, um, but really it's, it's so easy just to find, you know, find the click that they like, like the, the one that I had was kind of loud. It was a little bit overwhelming even for, for me, but he's a sensitive guy and I think he attracted a sensitive human. So, I mean, we're a good match, but there is a type of clicker that's made for parrots. And um, you can use it for dogs too, but it's a smaller clicker with a softer click and he actually likes it more. He volunteers to do more things with that than the more harsh one, which is totally Mm. surprising, but he's just showing me what he likes. And um, I, I love finding what would be in his mind, high value treats. He's uh, definitely not picky, so that's that's good. Um, but having a variety of treats that are in that high value category definitely inspire him to want mm. to learn even more. And um, and I love that I can I can say Bravo Crate, and he just he literally takes off running to oh. the bedroom to his crate, spins around and waits in the crate for me to click and give him a treat. That's awesome. Isn't that he awesome? He is brilliant. Yeah. And he's doing it with the pen too. He's doing it with the pen today and he'll do it with his bed. He's, oh my gosh, just incredibly smart. Yeah. But, but not what crazy. Is it, yeah. What is it that, that he does in the kitchen to let you know he wants to eat? Oh, this happened on day one. He, he, just knows he just knows me so he would go to the sink sit on the mat by the sink and just stare at me and wait <laughs> at the sink and I'm like bravo are you hungry and he just you know just twists his head and you know it's a definite yes and so then I make him some delicious food with his kibble and some sort of healthy topper and he, oh my gosh, this dog can eat. Um, but he tells me like, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And it's at the right time. It's not like he's just doing this. It's, it's around the same time every day, roughly. So he's, um, he's very tuned in. And it's so cool to just look at, I mean, some people might say, wow, this puppy's really training you, but I'm not seeing it that way 
in my opinion, because it's this connection and you just look at them and you just know, okay, he's hungry Mm. or he really has to go out and he's starting to tell you, I really have to go out. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a bluff. If it's anyway, he's just, I just, I love just, just looking at him and going, is this it? And it's a quick feeling of yes. And I don't have any human children, so it must be this way for, you know, Mm. um, people have been human mothers, but yeah, they're very communicative. Very. So Patty, does any of this sound familiar? Oh, it all, it all sounds familiar. I mean, really, you know, Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've had between Tigger and I, um, we've had almost every dog that has been on the earth. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I will always be an Aussie person. And of course I, I had one older one when I got catch from, from Lori, uh, as well. And it, it just, it, it, I think the biggest thing is, is if you take the time and I, and I hate when people say this, Oh, take the time, but the t- the time that you're taking ends up not being, doesn't seem as long, but just taking the time to do the clicker training or taking the time because it, that ends up one day of doing that becomes three minutes less the next day and two minutes less the next day that you have to do it. And they just get it. And they're so smart. Um, uh, it, yeah, I just, I, I just, I love, I love hearing that. Like he looks at the sink. That's just so funny. Um, it's what, yeah, kind of like hello. Uh, yeah. Yes. It, it, he, he also got into the cat box, and that's a funny story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he he like, likes sandy things under his paws. <laughs> So he basically these are these are some of his gardening skills that I have told him <laughs> since since he started this project that they, these are not welcome in the house and we he has he has been the perfect like you know you look at these things and you just say this isn't this is really annoying but this is an opportunity to teach him leave it and reward yep. the heck out of him when he walks up to the litter box. And he leaves it and he's making a choice. He's looking at it. He's seeing, is there anything in there? Should I do it? I don't know what he's really thinking, but that's what it looks like. And then he checks in and he say, leave it. And they give him something else it's like Bravo here and then go do something. And in it, it's like the first couple of times I kind of let it happen because I wanted to see, well, what's, what's he doing? You know, does he just want to play in the, cat litter or is he his litter boxes are really clean what does he what does he want to do well he wants to dig he wants to take the litter out and put it next to the box and then he looks at you like look what I just did for you and yeah kind of go how do I what how how do I help this puppy with I need to dig in something so I mean I put him in a part of the yard where it's okay to dig like it's you know, the other dogs will dig there. It's okay. And he digs there and that's fine with me. So it's like, it, it's like finding a, an outlet where I have to dig. Yeah. Mm. Which is fine. I, I mean, my yard is not a landscaped treasure, so that's great. <laughs> um, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. And, and, yeah and, he, uh, he used uh, to take things out of the box. But right. No longer. <laughs> but no bring longer. them. 
mm-hmm, drop them at my feet. But we don't do that anymore. I mean, he learned that's not that's not helping the human. It doesn't make her happy. I get more attention if I do something else over here. So, isn't he um, doing something nine on uh, the island in your kitchen? Isn't he? He's a part-time carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, he does that um, with chairs too. Oh. Uh, the legs of chairs and my desk tables are a favorite. So I kind of thought, okay, all right. Obviously, he that's gonna we're gonna go with leave it. But we need mm. something else to chew on that's kind of firm because he has this need. He's not doing it to be bad. He just has a need. Right. Of, I need to chew on something like that texture. Um, so I've just taught him leave it. and um, Or sometimes I'll see him doing it and I'll just think in my mind, leave it. And he stops. He just stops. Wow. And we go redirect quickly very quickly the second he's done with it um so that's that's great because i'm i've also learned with this particular puppy he's doing something that you don't like if you have any elevated energy towards it or excitement towards it it just makes it worse yeah it just fuels the fire and he's a little fire element to begin with so I have to just stay very grounded and calm and just be very clear. This is okay. This is not okay. Here's, here's an alternative to the thing that you're doing right now. And I'm sure there are some trainers that would say other things, but this is working for right now. And um, he's, he's not stressed about it. And to me, that's the most important thing yep. is the relationship mm-hmm. and having, you know, having those boundaries. Sure. But that's like an, that's a constant process with, you know, this whole, this whole thing, this whole relationship. So I, yeah, it's just I, ha- I have to tell down. you, Patty, that on, I think it was day two, maybe day three of Bravo being at home with Lizzie. We're on the phone. She said, Tigger, I get it. Oh, uh, yeah, it is mm-hmm. different. It, 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 it's, it's so funny. It, it, it totally is different. I mean, you have to, you, you've got to be engaged with this type of dog. It's not just one you can bring. Oh, yeah. it, it, because they'll figure, they'll figure something out, whether you are involved in it or not. Yep. Yeah. 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 He would be doing his own projects for sure. <laughs> Yeah, not seeking approval. First. <laughs> no. So, mm-hmm. well, Lizzie, thanks for coming on and and sharing yeah, the great the stories of Bravo, and we'll have you back for a uh, the next phase because every phase uh, with a puppy is always interesting and yes, challenging yeah. and and wonderful all at the same time. So, yeah, thanks, well, thank Lizzie, you. and uh, thank uh, you so much. Big cuddles. To Bravo. Yeah. Well, he's slept the entire time. So this is perfect. Yes. Well, thank y'all so much. If if our (laughs) listeners, if you want to get in touch with Lizzie about some of the work that she does with uh, HeartMath and 
helping people with bereavement. Um, her website is, is in the show notes and it's mariposaheartworks.com. Hello. Hetty. Hi, Hetty. Hello, everyone. How are you? Thriving, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hetty, I have a question for you. We have been talking a whole lot about what makes us laugh and and in, with Tigger, it's everything. But we wanted to know, what makes you laugh? Oh, human foibles, I would say. What? Human foibles. <laughs> Humans think okay. they're powerful and interesting, and I often just watch them in sort of astonished wonderment. What I ask myself exactly is going on in your mind. <laughs> mm. I can imagine. I can imagine. Do your do your do your sister? Does your sister make you laugh as well? Um, one of my sisters today, for example, did make me laugh because she woke up very early and she went into a sort of pale tizzy phenomenon that was really energetic and enthusiastic and I think showed exactly the sort of wildness that is intrinsic to the palm heart and so I was pleased to see her dancing about and really enjoying her life and I thought oh, this is quite a joyful moment oh <laughs> that's sweet it's always nice when siblings make you giggle yeah, exactly. You know, at 4.15, who doesn't like to see an eight-pound dog whirl in circles and gleefully rub its body up and down the bed and then roll and roll and roll? <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure your servant doesn't always love that. It is her privilege to know us. <laughs> <laughs> we keep forgetting that part. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's important that we all remember just how lucky she is to know us. Mm -hmm. True. Because she really does not deserve that kind of honor. (laughs) Yeah. When you're just bringing her all that joy. And I'm sure you make, I'm sure you make her laugh. Oh, yes. We bring joy. (laughs) All the time joy. And that is how, how it should be. I'm sure it's. There's, there's, it's not always joy like when you eat chocolate and stuff like that. And espresso beans. That just beans. happened one time. Everyone will, brings it up like it happened so often and it didn't. And that is what makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the mad is going to have to be for another episode. We were just talking about laughing, but we'll definitely bring that up again. Yeah, for sure. I just want chocolate. Chocolate would make me laugh. <laughs> oh, I bet it does until it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. No, it pretty much does. I mean, whatever issues it might cause others is really sort of not my issue. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> amazing. Thanks, yeah. Hetty. Thanks, Hetty. Bye, ladies. Bye. 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 So we are at the Breed of Show, and I'm going to do part two of Backyard Chickens, um, how to 
get your, well, once your chicks are home, what you do from there and then getting them to the, to the coop. So, um, so you've got your chicks. I recently ordered mine in the mail, (laughs) which every time I say that sounds so funny. Um, I had um, been advised to call my local post office to let them know that I had chicks coming in and was just so certain that they'd be like, you're what? You're mailing chicks? Well, apparently it happens all the time. So <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure they knew because I was so stressed out about these chicks, you know, coming in the mail. But I went and got them. They were perfectly happy and healthy and um, ready to bring home. So obviously preparation is the key. I had had a large trunk, which I had talked about in our last episode about cutting the top out and putting some chicken netting there, um, very tight, almost like a cloth. Great for ventilation. Put down some pine shavings at the bottom with their water and their their food source and um, and their heating lamp. I I chose to go with more expensive heating lamps. That's um, it. They can go under um, kind of more like having a mama chick. And you take them out of the box, and it's amazing to, <laughs> to think that these guys didn't know each other before they got in the box. And you take their little beaks, you dip them in the water, and boom, they know how to drink the water and they start pecking the food and the rest is really, honestly, it was quite amazing. Um, and, um, I have been handling mine every day, um, which is good because they, they grow fast and the more they're used to you picking them up and you don't obviously hold them tight and you can go online to see how to pick them up, but they're really quite inquisitive and quite adorable. Um, so you get that all kind of down and you just sit back and you'll be sitting, you know, I, I have mine now in a bedroom. They're going to eventually move to the garage when they start to smell, which will probably be by next week. <laughs> um, but after your, uh, their six weeks, the next step is to put them in the coop. And again, preparation. Um, you have to make sure that it's predator proof and there's numbers of coops and designs online. Um, I think honestly the best thing um, going online, but just asking any friends that have chickens because everybody sort of has their experience. And I feel like that's the best advice because then you can sort of formulate what you want to do and how you want your coop to be. Um, We're fortunate. We have a large building in the back that had um, actually some um, goats in it and we're converting that into the coop, but you have to make sure they have roosting bars and laying boxes for the hens. Um, most people say you want to move them outside when they're about six weeks old. I'd gone online and they have a little bit of a ranging um, of uh, the temperatures and um, you'd be surprised at how warm they need to be. But around week one, they have to be between 90 and 95 degrees by week six. They are fine about 65 degrees. So you can see in six weeks, they do rapidly grow. Um, They look completely different than, um, when you get them uh, by six weeks, they do go through an ugly duckling stage, Tigger, do they not? Oh, they <laughs> because do. At one point, uh, you were that cute little fuzzy thing. <laughs> I, yeah, but I mean, mine are still cute, so I'm just preparing myself. Um, so, um, uh, so you move them out when they're six weeks old. Um, so, they're, obviously, the coop's going to be substantially larger when you first get them in there. At this point, um, they don't need a supplemental heat source, and that's why <clears throat> at six weeks is the key. Um, but all of this is going to be new to them, and uh, if you've been, you know, picking them up and making their pets like we have, um, you're going to get to know their personalities a little bit. So you just don't want to put them into the coop or into your backyard without kind of uh, letting them adjust. So some people recommend that you keep them in the coop part. Um, 
so they know where their home is. Um, another source I've read, and I'll be interested to see what you think, Tigger, is not letting them getting in the laying boxes because this would sort of be a natural refuge for them. And um, they recommend like just blocking off the laying bo- boxes till they obviously are getting older because they don't want them to go in there and, you know, make a mess. They just want to lay, use them for laying boxes. Have you ever heard that before? No, but I've never had uh, young chicks try to get into the laying boxes. The laying boxes okay. are up pretty high. Okay. Well, that's a good thing to know. Cause I was like, cause at first I was like, that's so mean, let them get in there. And then, but as I read on, it just explained because if they go in there and they poop in there and they do whatever that you want to teach them just to go in there and they'll teach, when I say teach, Mother Nature teaches them just to go in there and and lay when that time happens. But um, blocking them, obviously, is supposed to um, help them not go in there. So that's interesting. So then eventually their other buddies will figure it out and they'll get on the nice little roosting bars that you've. Yes. Um, so so that's actually a good question, Tigger. So with your roosting bars versus um, the, 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 the laying boxes are up higher than the roosting bars? Well, there's some there's roosting bars that are up higher than the uh, than the nesting boxes. We have graduated roost <laughs> um, uh, roosting bars, so there's some that are low and some that are medium and okay. some that are high. That, the ones that look kind of like a ladder, because I've seen those too. Yeah, like they go. Well, that's cool. Um, so now the fun part gets to putting in the coop and watch them. Um, dust bathing is a huge part of chicker, yep. chickens and rooster life. They That's how they like to keep themselves clean. Um, so you'll start to experience that. Um, depending on the breed of hen that you have, you'll start to see eggs around 18 weeks of age. It is recommended that you don't start feeding um, your hens laying pellets till they're about 16 weeks of age. And just like any other animal, you do it gradually over about a week's time. At this point, if you have closed off your laying boxes, you can open them. And you want to make sure you're feeding them a high quality feed. So sit back and enjoy your chickens and your fresh eggs. I can't wait for that part. I just can't wait. <laughs> I just can't. And I, 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 I go in with these, I, I, I go in and check them in the morning. And then when I get home from work, I go in and check on them. And, um, you know, I pick them up and I just pet them and kiss them. And I put them back down. My husband's going, I'm like, do you want to hold one of the chicken? He goes, no, if I drop one, you'll divorce me. I'm not, <laughs> this is not how I'm going to get it. <laughs> I've so been enjoying it. And I'm starting to let the, you know, the dogs come in and they just sit very patiently and watch. And then I tell them to go out and leave it. So it's going to be, I, I've got a couple more weeks till the, the coop is done. And then part three, getting them out there and letting them free run. I can't wait. Now you're going to have them enclosed, right? I'm going to keep them enclosed during the day, but when I'm home, um, I go out and I water my garden and whatever. So I, I just, you know, I want them to be out there. We, we are so close to so much wildlife where I am. There's bobcats and there's coyotes and there's hawks. I mean, where it is anywhere, but I, I just, if I'm not home all day, I'm just too worried about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to let them out. Um, but the way my, I'm very fortunate because the building I have it, there's the coop part of it. And then off to the side, it almost looks like a shed. So they're going to be able to go in a completely predator, predator proof coop, but also have a little bit of a run where they can get down and roll around. Um, if, for, if I don't let them out for a day or two, they'll still be able to get down and touch the earth and, you know, Good. do all of that. Good. Yeah. And then, um, my stuff, um, 
at night, I'll let them free range. And um, one of the things that Hannah told me is, you know, start to teach them. Um, Hannah's my daughter for my listeners who also is a chicken nut. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you start to call them and, um, you know, give them some mealy worms and let them eat out of your hand. You you know, she just says here, chick, chick, chick. And all of hers come, they come better than the dogs. I mean, you call those chickens running. It's great. It's just great. So, um, Yep. So I can't, I can't wait for that part. I can't wait for that part. And now we're at Critter Nutrition. And the focus today is on a cool down formula for dogs. In 2016, Biostar introduced Buckaroo's cooling stew based on the Ayurvedic principles of cooling and neutral foods. Dogs who suffered in summer heat did very well on the cooling stew. However, I felt it didn't address other factors that create heat. The most obvious sufferers of excess heat in the body are dogs with allergies and skin issues, as well as dogs with excess heat in their GI tract. Introducing Buckaroo's Cool Down. Think of it as Buckaroo's Cooling Stew 2.0. In Eastern medicine, plants, seeds, grains, dairy, and meats are categorized as warming, cooling, or neutral. Applying this approach to seasonality means that in the summer, one would choose cooling foods like watermelon, mangoes, cucumbers, squash, quinoa, oats, and red lentils. In winter, one would favor oranges, cranberries, artichokes, carrots, corn, tomatoes, brown rice, miso, navy beans, and tempeh. Warming, cooling, and neutral also apply to conditions of the body. Too much heat in the GI tract or excess inflammation, cooling and neutral foods would help reduce the fire. If a dog is weak, thin, poor appetite, moves stiffly, It would help to add warming and neutral foods for better circulation to increase digestive fire. A large dog with a well-developed skeletal frame that is overweight with a sluggish metabolism benefits from edibles that are warm, light, dry, and easy to digest. Buckaroo is my seven-and-a-half-year-old Aussie. When we created Buckaroo's cooling stew, it was for him. He is a heavy-coated Aussie who needed cooling, not warming foods in the summer. He is perpetually on a diet. My partner Peter argues that Buckaroo is just big-boned. But in truth, Buckaroo looks like a walking ottoman. He is not my most active Aussie. If he were a human, he'd spend most of his time lying on a couch flipping through the TV channels. Last spring, he developed a chronic itching. Thought it was a food intolerance, so first eliminated chicken for three weeks, then eliminated beef for three weeks, then eliminated turkey for three weeks, and no change. He just kept itching. Tried various herbs. Bovine colostrum helped, yet did not completely stop the chewing and licking. Took him to the vet. Did blood work. All normal. Vet prescribed Apoquel. Reluctantly, I put Buckaroo on the Apoquel, and the itching stopped. But I knew this wasn't a long-term fix. I decided to try the equine product we were working on called Alarex with a Corsifit patented extract. 
I added the equine formula to his meals and slowly stopped the Apoquil. His chronic itching didn't return. With the cool nights and mild days of late fall, I stopped the Alarex and there was no itching or licking. As we were working on Buckaroo's cool down this spring, I noticed Buckaroo starting to itch again. Took one of the beta test jars and started him on Buckaroo's cool down. I'm happy to report that he is not itching at all. So what's in Buckaroo's cool down? It starts with cortison phytosome, known as Corsifit. This is a patented extract. It is 20 times more bioavailable than quercetin powder. Quercetin is a powerful flavonoid that has been shown to inhibit the release of histamine and decrease pro-inflammatory cytokines. Buckaroo's cooldown contains shiitake mushrooms, which have been a part of traditional Chinese medicine for thousands of years. This is a neutral food, not cooling or warming. It is used traditionally to replenish qi and support spleen, stomach, and lung meridians. Research has shown shiitake mushrooms provide immune support and bioactive components for antioxidant defense in the body. Quinoa sprout powder. This seed is native to South America and is classified as cooling. Quinoa was the staple diet of the Incas. Quinoa is phytonutrient-dense, including flavonoids such as quercetin, tocopherols, and tocotrienols, carotenoids. Sprouted quinoa has a benefit because it provides the extra advantages of easier digestibility and increased nutrient bioavailability. Goat whey protein. Goat and cow's milks are considered cooling in Ayurvedic medicine. However, goat's milk is considered tridoshic, that is, balancing for all three doshas, while cow's milk is not. Biostar uses non-denatured goat whey for better bioavailability. Organic kale, classified in Ayurveda as a cooling vegetable. It provides antioxidants, carotenoids for eye health, plus quercetin. It is an excellent source of chlorophyll. Celery. Classified in Ayurveda as a cooling vegetable. It is low in calories, provides vitamin K and vitamin A. It's high in fiber. Whole egg, both cooling and warming. The yolks are warming, the whites are cooling. Most of the lipids, vitamins, and minerals are concentrated in egg yolk. It is the yolk that provides specific proteins and glycoproteins, such as immunoglobulins. Pumpkin meal classified in Ayurveda as cooling to the body system. The fiber content of pumpkin is important for digestive regularity, from mild diarrhea to constipation. If you're looking for cooling proteins to feed your dog in the summer, the best cooling proteins or meats would be buffalo, white meat chicken, freshwater fish, rabbit, egg whites, white meat turkey, venison, cottage cheese, and goat's milk. Buckaroo's cool down is an important supplement for summertime heat, as well as providing support for imbalances of excess heat in the body system at large. Buckaroo's cool down can be used as needed or every day and will be available July 6th. <laughs> 
Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And here we are at Coffee Clatch, and I'm asking Patty... What's the best advice you've gotten from an equine trainer and instructor? Well, it, it's funny because I, it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is um, I know I have so many things in my head. And I um, thought about it for a second. And honestly, it, it's pretty simple. Um, patience and reward. Oh, wow. That, that, yeah, that horses either don't understand or physically can't do what you're asking. And mm-hmm. so if you're patient and reward you're never ever going to regret taking more time to be patient and reward. And it's um, the older I get, the better I've gotten at it, gotten to doing it, but it is such a easy motto to live by. Wow. That's great. How about you, Tig? <laughs> Don't fall off. <laughs> 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 that's better <laughs> but you, know, you the, shouldn't the, if you reward your horse you should have fall right off. the funny thing is oh, is my first riding instructor I, I think I was seven eight and she was a wonderful old Maryland horsewoman and um, her name was Mrs. Kelsey and I remember her And I rode in like a little group lesson once a week. So there were like Mm -hmm. three or four other little girls. We're all about the same age, all on these ponies. She said, you have to fall off 99 times to be a good rider. Oh, boy. Hmm. Well, when you think about little kids riding... You know, the ponies stop, you go over their head. There's just a lot of, and, and as a little kid, you're kind of just soft and you bounce. Yeah. Yeah. Kids bounce the rubber. Yeah. So it, I, I think that was a really good point because I wasn't afraid of falling after, the, you know, because yeah. you're going to fall. You can't be on a horse and not fall at some point in your life. Hopefully you don't get hurt at it. Um, right. But then to have this Dutch guy yelling at me, don't fall off. That, are you kidding? No, the horse is running away with me. Don't fall but, off. Okay. Yeah, but I thought that, you know, actually, I thought that was very good advice. Well, that <laughs> <laughs> because I was an adult then and, uh, Falling is very different when you're adult than when you're 10. 
That is so funny. That is so funny. Well, that's so good advice. If you have a, a, a favorite, uh, you know, uh, uh, what am I want to say? A mantra, uh, from yeah. a, uh, trainer or instructor, let us know. Uh, we're on Facebook, healthy critters radio. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. 